I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, to be totally honest, here on a Friday night where I am sitting alone and we're bringing back a tradition and what is a jam-packed episode with new information. We are going back to an old true tradition. Andrew sits alone, drinks by himself, and talks to no one. Um, I did not expect to have as many nuggets as I do for you here today because we recorded just about 30 hours ago. It's Coda Randall. Pro Football Network, newly minted writer over there. Great conversation. Patriots coaching staff. How deep the rebuild is going. It's not just going to be about schemes and players and front office. And we got a little bit about Elliot Wolf from Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network. I figured I'll do a seven-round mock draft. It's away from the draft. Combine is next week. You know, give it a take. Give it a test. Dip your toe in the water with the draft. And that'll be it. We'll get in and we'll get out. Well, since I hung up with Dakota, picked up the phone, made some calls, shot some texts. Around this time of year, you know, you're trying to set meetings to the Combine. People with other teams, maybe a couple of agents, folks with the Patriots. Just grab a beer, okay? Monday through Friday. You know, and this year is really Monday through Sunday. The whole league descends on Indianapolis for the con, right? And every media, which is executive, back to college from like 9 to 10 p.m. until 4 in the morning, you know, dabble more than others, um, drinking at the same bars, drinking cheap beer, seeing each other, running into people. Like you would see the person in your English class that you never spoke to, but when it's 1 a.m. and you walk in, you go, oh, hey, what's up? Because you both had a few. Anyway, in trying to set up these meetings, and get to know what's going on with the Patriots free agency in the draft. I got a lot back. So today, you get a lot yourself on Kendrick Bourne, Kyle Duggar, Michael Williams, and, of course, the aforementioned seven-round mock draft. But before we get to any of that, uh, some vegetables, if you will. Uh, the salary cap was announced here today. And the salary cap for the 2024 season in the NFL is going to be $255.4 million. That is an unprecedented $30 million leap from last year. It's about just over 13% increase. What does this mean for the Patriots? Well, not much. But they do now have, unofficially, according to Over the Cap, $83 million in space. That's second most in the league. And they'll be at $96 million if and when they either release or restructure the contract to J.C. Jackson, who right now is on the hook for over $14 million, none of which is guaranteed. Obviously, he's not a right now. It's worth that. So some type of move is coming. And if and when they get into the neighborhood of $96 million, and maybe more, they could have other releases, trades, cuts, whatever is going to be on the way, they will be atop the league in cap space. So what this big jump did is not necessarily help the Patriots, who were already, again, second in the league in cap room. What it did is really more provide breathing room for teams at the bottom who don't have to make as many drastic changes now as they may have had it only increased to, say, 240 million dollars from up from 24 so teams like the saints chargers dolphins who are all way over the cap right now uh and speaking of miami they cut zemian howard veteran corner Manuel agba outside linebacker today they have to make moves and i say all of this a because it's news b as a reminder that the cap is not crap okay 
Again, stop listening to talk radio you want to know about the nuances of the NFL. Pick up podcasts like this. You talk to cap folks and read their articles. There are plenty out there. Beat writers who talk to those cap folks and need to learn what's what in order to teach you exactly how things work in the league. Now, I will say, cash absolutely, unequivocally, no question about it, is more important than cap, all right? And the cap is flexible. It's just an accounting mechanism to keep all of these billionaire owners from spending each other into oblivion, oblivion to get the best players possible. However, it is also a real limit imposed every year and abided by by every single team every single year. So you need to know about it and what it means and what it doesn't. What it means is Xavier Howard gets released, Emmanuel Agba's out the door because the Dolphins have to figure this out and don't really want to kick the can by making moves like converting base salary into signing bonus, which allows the teams to kind of shift their books and get under the cap, even if the cash is being spent more. It's kind of a short-term move to save, you know, to create basically more long-term pain. The last thing, the last reason I bring up the salary cap, I explained this last week, and this is important. This is very Patriot-specific. One of the headlines of that episode was the Patriots are going to spend big in free agency. And again, the cap did not do much for their position, already is having the second most in the league. All right, they were already expected to spend big. (laughs) Folks, they are going to spend even bigger, and here's why. They have to, okay? Every two to three years, there is a cash spending floor in the NFL. Right now, the Patriots and everybody else just started a year one of a three-year window. Within this three-year window, teams need to spend to 90% of the aggregate salary caps. So right now it's 255 million. You add that to let's say next year goes up by 10 million. It's not, it's going to be more 265 million. Okay. Let's say the salary cap in 2026, the third year of this three-year window is another 10 million. So 255 million plus 265 million plus 275 million altogether, the Patriots need to spend to 90% of that number. What is 90% of that number? Well, it's $715 million in cold, hard cash. That's how much they need to spend over the next three years, starting this March, second week, March 11th. It's a Monday, mark your calendars, the start of the legal tampering period, which makes no sense. What is when free agents really kicks off because the actual tampering starts happening at the combine and all these different places. So. On average, what the Patriots need to do to meet the minimum of this cash spending floor, again, $715 million if the cap only goes up by $10 million next year and the year after that, they need to spend $238 million in cash per year just to stay on schedule and meet the minimum. Okay, so how much are they scheduled to spend right now? Well, as it stands, they're on the hook for $124 million this year alone. So they need to spend to stay on schedule. And some folks have pushed back and go, they're not going to spend big. They could do it in 2025 or 2026. Okay, that's fine. But they're already $100 million behind, $114 million behind from staying on schedule to meet the minimum. And here's the thing. A lot of numbers, I promise, almost over. We're going to get to the nuggets. We're going to give you the sugar, the dessert, everything coming right up. But it needs to be reiterated. The cap is not going to go up just $10 million next year. And the after that, we are going to hit and or cross $300 million, according to some execs and a couple of agents I spoke to, very, very soon. It could be next year, but more likely it will be 2026, which means the Patriots might not just have to spend $238 million sold cash on average per year over the next three seasons. It might be closer to 250. And right now, for this year, 
this upcoming year, 2024, they're at half of that number. When Gerard Mayo said that they have cash to burn, he was not kidding. Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams. Quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, on to the Nuggets. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, he was in town Thursday, Friday. Went into the facility, checking out his torn ACL, has a recovery coming along, checked in with some team brass, Gerard Mayo, Elliot Wolf, some other front office executives. My understanding and talking to folks in and around that, it went very well. Aaron Wilson, Houston-based NFL reporter, tweeted today, this afternoon again, Friday, February 23rd, that you should not expect a deal between the Patriots right now because Bourne is expected to have strong interest in the market and he's expected to explore that interest, as everyone should if you have a market for whatever your services are. Number one, I can't confirm this. Number two, here's what I would add. The dialogue between the two sides has been positive, but since November, when the Patriots first made contact and reached out to Kendrick Bourne's camp, hey, you just tore your ACL, we'd like to bring you back, what do you think? Talks have not advanced in any kind of meaningful way between the two sides, okay? And so I would not expect, first of all, or to take any kind of hometown discount to come back to New England, which is really much like any player here and coach now they're in this entirely new era back where you're having to come to Foxborough, Massachusetts to work for a new coach and all this different stuff. There's no Brady Belichick discount anymore, but it's also because the Patriots have money, which we just covered and he's going to turn, turn 30 next year. So again, things went well for this two day visit. I think he is going to hit the market. There is a possibility he signs with the start of free agency. But the good news is he's way ahead of schedule. And so he should be ready for the start of next season, whether it's here in New England or elsewhere. And the interest in a borderline, you know, number two, number three receiver will be there, especially for teams that are looking for kind of one final piece, right? Or you've got a rookie quarterback on a cheap contract. Let's add a guy who's been in multiple systems in New England, San Francisco, work with a bunch of different coaches we can rely, plays inside and out, good locker room presence. All right. So the Patriots will need to match whatever that offer is because it's likely that those places are going to be more attractive. And yes, he's on the record saying he would like to be back. He thrives in this environment and he was headed for career numbers last year before tearing his ACL in Miami. But I think he's going to want a multi-year deal. I don't know if teams are going to be willing to extend that, but the Patriots must be because of the situation they're in given their receiving core, the amount of money they have and the interest that's going to be there at least for a couple of teams. So if you're worried about this, I would just say take a breath. Talks typically heat up around the combine, deadlines per action. They have been in discussions loosely, loosely for months, which have not gone anywhere, but he's still showing up. He's testing well. He's healthy. He's expressed an interest to return. 
But the money's got to talk. And for at the end of their career, that should be the case. That should be your approach. And we'll know in a couple of weeks where he's going to play football uh, next year. So we're going to close that segment, the same we do for Duggar, Uche, and Onwenu, uh, with a projection. Because I threw out some contracts and some numbers to a couple execs in the AFC saying, hey, what do you think? Am I off base? Am I wasting my time? They get back to me. For the most part, these were spot on. Orange, though, I had a little bit high. I said, two years, $19 million. Both of these execs said, meh, pull it back. Maybe $7, 8000000 million a year. And that's with, with incentives. Again, for a guy turning 30, versatile, well-liked. What I think is going to happen is I bet he gets the three years. And I think this deal with a maximum value. So there's some fluff in here. It's not all guaranteed hard, cold cash. $25 million. So you're talking a little bit over eight per year, Frank Henry Bourne, including those incentives. He gets the longevity of what a player should want at this stage of his career to lock in, sit, whether it's here or elsewhere. And you kind of find the middle ground where it's a little bit on the high end. But again, that salary cap figure was unprecedented. $30 million compared to last year. An increase of over 13%. So I think the folks saying, yeah, seven to eight per year, bump it up to between eight and nine. If he gets the years that he wants, but maybe not the money, I think that's where he lands, whether it's here or elsewhere. I don't know. But three years, $25 million, that's my best guess right now. Kyle Duggar. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Duggar switched agencies. He moved from athletes first, which along with CAA is a powerhouse in the NFL. A lot of, you know, top tier, pro bowl, all pro clients, as well as some coaches, front office executives, GMs. And so Kyle Duggar moving from athletes first to Andy Sims, who we discussed in this podcast before, has a history, not only representing Patriots defensive backs, but getting them re-signed, you know, raise some, raise some sirens here, you know, not like the blaring, get the hell out of the way, here comes the ambulance on the highway sirens, but just, it's interesting. Because if I'm Kyle Duggar, and just like Bourne, is at a place in his career he wants longevity and maximum money. He's an older player for a guy who was drafted in 2020, spent more than four years in college. You know, Going from athletes first to Andy Sims would indicate maybe not the most money, but a guy who knows how to get a deal done and knows how to get a deal done in New England. And so when I heard this week that Kyle Duggar was back in the building, not only just working out, but catching up with folks, including some in the front office, that again underscores to me, he really, really wants to stay. Now, will he? Won't he? I don't know. But if I'm a fan and you want Kyle Duggar back, I would feel encouraged about him still being in the building when I know some other free agents are long gone. Like, here's cleaned out. They're closed. They're not coming back. We'll talk in March. We'll talk business. But for now, they're on vacation. And you know what? Again, Mazel Tov. This is the offseason. Wherever Kyle Duggar signs, based on the feedback I got, I would expect somewhere between three and four years. And if it's three years, 40 to $44 million. And my best guess, if it is four, to go somewhere between 50 to $56 million. That's based on you know the player he is, the history of the contract. I don't know what the guarantees would be. But again, he's looking for a longer deal to settle in, get that big second contract, because it will be the last big contract that he gets. Speaking of big contracts, Mike Owenu, uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported weeks ago that the Patriots do not expect him back. I'm like, whoa, th- these are the ambulance sirens coming down. High. Okay, like what the hell is going on here? He just cleaned out his locker. He went to the national championship game with a couple other guys. Team, you know, one, watched his alma mater win Michigan go on. What's he upset about? Well, here's the thing. He's going to have a big market. And I have heard since Jeremy's report, similar pessimism about Mike Mwenu's next team being his current team. Again, he's going to have a giant market. He's one of the top offensive tackles 
who can basically play at least three known positions, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Maybe he can kick out the left tackle. We don't know. On the offensive line. Players like him in their mid-20s, smart, tough, durable, and versatile, get paid the big bucks. Now, he is on the record, Michael when he was, saying he would be open to a return. But I will remind you, it is in the best interest of every free agent in the history of pro sports to say, I would love to come back, even if it's not true, because it stokes their market. And it seemingly maximizes their suitors and forces them to bid against one another for his services. Now, I'm not calling by one of a liar. Absolutely not. Okay. Nice guy. We've gotten to have a good relationship. I'm just saying for him to return based on his market, his skill set, what is in his career, the money is really going to have to talk for him to come back to New England. How much money is that? Again, based on the feedback I got, my first guess was a good one. I would think four years between 60 to $64 million. So you're talking about $15 to $16 million annually. That's right in the ballpark of Mike McGlinchey, who got a big deal top of the market last year. Actually, not top of the market, but around Orlando Brown Jr., a little shy of Juwan Taylor, who got $20 million a year from KC. The guarantees matter more than the average annual value. But for a player of his caliber, experience, versatility, Michael Manu is getting a big, fat contract, and he deserves that big, fat contract. Will it be in New England? I doubt it as of now. Uh, but that's where things stand, where I think he'll land. Last one, Josh Uche. Uh, not as much on Josh, <laughs> who's done media before in the offseason. You might hear from Josh yourself. But I asked two executives. I said, I think this is going to be a one-year deal between 8 and $10 million. And one suggested that it only takes one team to look at some of his per-snap efficiency numbers, going, look, this dude is one of the best, most effective pass rushers in the league. He's got gifts, A, you cannot teach. And B, even within the world of elite athletes in the NFL, few guys even have that get off, that speed, that power. And he's built out his pass rush repertoire. Now, he had a down year last year after fattening up on, you know, a couple of games, a lot of sacks against the Colts and the Cardinals in 2022. But again, those traits playing that premium position, I still think he lands somewhere between one and two years. And then by extension, you know, eight to 10 for one year or 16 to $20 million for two. But maybe someone gets him in the low teens if his agency is able to do kind of a bidding war, understanding he was just he was just a bad scheme fit in New England. They, they wouldn't play early downs, which is going to depress his total statistics. But on a per snap basis, this guy's special. I don't totally agree, but there's a way you could talk yourself into it. And that's why I think, again, Josh Uche headed for somewhere between eight and ten million dollars annually uh, per year. And again, if I'm wrong, play this back. Tweet at me. Let me know. That's what I got. That's what I've heard. That's what I've learned. Now you have to. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. On to the mock draft. I don't know how many we're going to do here on the podcast. It will be more uh, than I will write about because Doug Kide is going to handle a lot of that for us at the Herald. He's back at work. He'll be at the Combine with me. Actually, back on the podcast next week, so look forward to that. In the meantime, this is my mock draft. This is my show, baby. So we are going to have music for this mock draft. 
Here we go. This is mock making music, and this will close out the podcast. You ready? Patriots have seven picks, one in each round. Their last pick, as it stands right now, middle of February, two months away from the draft, it will be Evan Anderson, defensive tackle, Florida Atlantic. Here we go. Six foot three, 326 pounds. Evan is strictly an A or B gap player. He's a run stuffer. He's going to plug that middle. He's going to control it. Also had three and a half sacks last year when he was a team captain for FAU. He split his snaps evenly between pass rushing and run stuffing. But again, in the league, looking at a big body, Parker in the middle, let him go to work, just like he did after getting invited to the East-West Shrine Bowl. In the sixth round, moving on up, pick number 182 overall, running back Dylan Johnson from Washington. Six foot, 218 pounds. You might remember Dylan Johnson got injured in the national semifinal game against Texas. And that almost cost Washington the semifinal. Instead, they advanced, lose to Michigan in the national title game. But Johnson, tough as nails kind of running back, plays through injury in the national championship. He's capable running behind man blocking as well as zone. It was about a 50-50 split for him last year with the Huskies. 5.1 yards per rush, 16 touchdowns. Not overly elusive. Again, just a running back in the sixth round. You're not getting Sanders anywhere near here, but he's an all-around player. You want someone got soft hands, a reliable receiver. He caught 24 passes on 25 targets for 190 yards. Top player, solid, all-around back. Andre Stevenson, contract year. Reminder, meet your new backup, Dylan Johnson, running back out of Washington. Over to defense. Cornerback, Dwight McLaughlin out of Arkansas goes in the fifth round. Pick number 136 overall. Dwight is six foot two. He's 188 pounds. He loves beats. Okay, the last part was it's not true. But he is the second-ranked corner in college football, according to pro football focus grades, which we can argue with. I have whatever. Moving on. Long, aggressive player. He transferred from LSU to Arkansas in 2022, started the last two years. You're going to love these numbers. Seven interceptions, 16 pass deflections, three forced fumbles. He missed just one, a single tackle last year. I don't care if you're in high school, college, NFL. That's damn impressive. That's a rating against, according to the Pro Football Focus, 51.2. Okay, so what's what's wrong with him? Uh, tall, lanky corner, a little bit light, little stiff in the hips. Also got invited to the East-West Shrine game. Shorter arms, supposedly expected to run around a 4-5 at the Combine. You will find out just as I will next week. On to the fourth round, still here on day three. The Patriots will open with a pick at number 104 overall. You know what they're going to take? Cade Stover. Tight end, Ohio State. Six foot four, 251 pounds. He is strong as a bull as far as 250 pounders go. He fits both in the wide tight end mold, the guy inline, traditional. You'll find him all the way back to the 50s playing from that position. But he's athletic enough to move and work in space, both in the slot, out wide. He's a willing blocker. He's tough. He actually played defense at Ohio State and tight end until 2022. So now that he's full-time on offense, you don't see dangerous long speed but you see rare flexibility for, again, a guy who's a prototypical tight end for 251. He had 41 catches, 576 yards, five touchdowns, and was first team all Big Ten. On to day two. But first, Trillium. Unofficial sponsor of today's podcast is a vicinity, uh, vicinity double IPA. Shout out to Trillium and Vitamin C Brewery, where we will have a new event, pre-draft. First time you heard it, right here, uh, coming up in a couple of months. Hey, on to day two. This is... He's not a sleeper yet because I think the NFL draft is kind of getting to be, you know, like your fantasy football draft. There are more, no more sleepers in fantasy football. But everyone, I'm telling you, at the combine, after the combine, his pro day is going to say, you know who I'd like for the Patriots in the, in the third round? Karan Amaji, 
offensive tackle at a Yale. This dude has got prototypical size. I'm talking six foot five, six foot six, 316 pounds, highly athletic, developmental prospect. His senior season got cut short by injury, so he did not participate in the All-Star Games where you love to see the smaller school guys compete against you know, the SEC and Big Ten folks. But he did get a combine invite. He's incredibly smart, rare, raw power. And he didn't start playing football till midway through high school. So if you're looking for untapped potential, and in this scenario, the Patriots have already taken care of offensive tackle in free agency. You bring in Karan Amaji at a Yale, give him a year to season, a year to develop. Hell, they did this with a first round tackle and he sold her once upon a time. He will be your starter in 2025. Okay, on to the second round. You knew this position was coming. It's just a matter of the name. And you have a fan favorite right here, right away. Pick number 34 overall, Lad McConkey, wide receiver out of Georgia. Six foot, 185. We're going to skip all of the stereotypical white guy bringing his lunch pail. Looks a little bit like Julian Edelman comparisons. No, he does not. But the one area where they do overlap in this Venn diagram of white wide receivers is yards after the catch. Lad averaged 6.3 yards after the catch last year at Georgia. He dealt with some injuries. The numbers aren't gaudy, but he mostly worked outside where you saw elite quickness and long speed. He separates from man-to-man coverage better than most receivers in this draft. And he was the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl for the American team, as voted by teammates. Not for me watching, not from you at home, not the coach, by his teammates. But you know who was one of his coaches? Troy Brown was the offensive coordinator for that American team. So Troy was there. Coach Lad McConkey, they had a contingency, Matt Groh, Cameron Williams, Pat Stewart, all down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, watching Lad McConkey tear it up among a very impressive group of wide receivers, and he stood out the most among the American team. He comes on down right here at pick number 34. Now, for the record, I did think about Adonai Mitchell from Texas, six foot four, you know, traditional X receiver. The Patriots love Devontae Parker more than I do. I just think if you're looking between his type in terms of body type and playing style and pop Douglas, who's obviously going to be in the slot. Lab McConkey splits the difference can play inside, can play out. He's got the traits. He's got the pedigree from a big school. I think this would be a great pick for them early here in the second round. And who is he catching passes from? Uh, not Mac Jones. It will be Jaden Daniels quarterback LSU with the first pick at third overall. Again, if I'm the Patriots right now where it stands and I've got a couple deep dives left to do that third pick better be a quarterback. And if not, you better trade back. But here, they stick around. Why? Playmaking ability. And I'm not just talking about raw speed. He's going to test in the four or fives at the combine. I'm talking about extending plays, off-platform throws. The equivalent is a shooter in the NBA who can create buckets on his own late in the shot clock. That is what elevates the quarterbacks in today's game. I can get this third down. I can score this touchdown running or rolling out and then throwing Jane Daniels can do this. He's the best deep thrower in this class, but he's highly accurate also to all levels of the field. So he has made a big jump the last two seasons. He won the Heisman Trophy last year, 40 touchdowns, four picks, a 95.6 QBR plus 10 touchdowns and 1,134 yards as a runner. So all told, that's close to 5,000 total yards, 50 touchdowns and four picks. I don't know what more than you want. Accurate, smart, a leader, hella experience given all of his years at Arizona State, now at LSU, best player in college football. Come on down, Jaden Daniels, who can do everything in the modern game and in the traditional sense. A couple catches for people who are, I'm going to say anti-Jaden Daniels. He's 
He's in the top 10, just like Drake May and Caleb Williams. But if you like May or Caleb Williams a little bit more, you're saying these following things about Jaden Daniels. They are. Uh, he had two stud wide receivers who might go in the top 15, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. Okay. New England obviously is going to be a little reluctant to pick a quarterback who might have been boosted by his supporting cast. Jane Daniels is very different from the quarterback I'm not so subtly referring to in Mac Jones. But you go, what is he going to be like in an environment where he's not throwing to two NFL receivers playing against college secondaries? The other part is he's six foot three, 205. Okay. Normal human being, it's pretty effing big. Uh, but in the world of the NFL, he's a thin and he doesn't play like he's thin. He will lower his shoulder like he's 265. Brandon Jacobs style 265 instead of 205 and playing 17 games against NFL defenses could lend itself to injury. My thing is, if that's your big issue with Jane Daniels, teach the man to slide, make him understand very early how important it is that he does that or gets out of bounds because he checks literally every other box you could want from a quarterback, physically, mentally, just the resume on down. Patriots land Jane Daniels number three overall. That is a big win. All right. I hope you have considered this episode a big win here in the podcast. A little fun getting that mock draft to the ESPN uh, bed music. We will be back two episodes next week, both live from Indianapolis. I already teased Doug Kyle will be back on the show. I will not be out of breath as we are right now, uh, but we will t- have a ton of good nuggets again from coaches, execs, scouts, the prospects themselves. Quarterbacks are going to speak on uh, a Friday, I believe it is. And so you will hear from myself, from Doug, people around the league, where the Patriots are and where they will be. In the meantime, have a great weekend and uh, have fun mocking yourselves, all right? See you next week.